Servus und willkommen to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works. And this is your schnitzel. I will be joined by your very own I Need No Name for another grueling, interesting episode. This is your dynamic duo once again. I Need No Name, how are you doing? Doing terribly. I have college in the morning. We're recording this at night. We're both very tired and I, I, I'm very fed up with Bayern Munich at the moment. Yeah, and I uh, resonate with your you know feelings of being tired. I'm also feeling super drained right now, and I think I'm going to sleep for like 10 hours or something, just knock myself out. And Bayern not being in a very good state at the moment is not helping matters. So do you want to begin with you know the first thing on our agenda, which is the vaccination problem? You know, I feel like I've been talking about this for over a month now, even though it's been like two weeks at most. It's really exhausting to talk about and it's just getting worse. Like today, I just wrote an article about how the unvaccinated decision is causing a rift in the dressing room between those who are vaccinated and those who aren't. And it, it looks really bad. Like people are worried that this could derail our entire season. So the big, big thing that has happened is the fact that the vac- unvaccinated players have been informed that they will be docked pay for the time they spend in quarantine. And for some of them, that is not an insignificant amount of money. So let me ask you this, Chet. So I think the people who listened to my podcast last week, they know my opinion on this. So why don't you give me your opinion? Do you think it's right for the club to do this? I think it's completely within the club's rights to do this. And besides, uh, availability is something that's always important to every single club, be it football, basketball, any other team sport. So if you're not available due to quarantine measures, and if you think, you know, that that's going to be a problem, it's completely on the players. I mean, you should have known that not getting vaccinated would get you into all sorts of problems. And this is kind of the least because there's a lot of media backlash. Many fans are unhappy with, you know, the decision of these players. And a lot of the common people, like the normal population, like me and you, right, we had to get vaccinated. And this means that we would also reduce the risk of transmitting the disease to other people. So what is so special about the status of these football players that they get to do something that we don't? Exactly. But I guess that's a very uncontroversial opinion, at least among us people at BPW. I don't think there's any anti-vaxxers here. So that's a very good thing. But the thing is that the argument can be made that by handling it in this way, Bayern Munich is really bringing some difficult times onto itself because we have reports that the players might even be considering legal action. I don't think they have any legal ground to stand on, but they might be considering legal action. And the fact is that while Muziala and Kimmich are tied down to long-term contracts, and we don't care if Kuis on sleeves, he can leave anytime he wants, Maybe Gnabry, someone like Gnabry, or maybe Chupo. Chupo is also a bit old, but someone like Gnabry or any of those guys, they might see this and think, okay, we're not getting support from the club, so maybe we should leave. So do you think that's a valid, like, a valid point for people who say that the club shouldn't be handling it this way? I think that, uh, you know, the club was really hard-pressed for options, especially since it gave the players ample time to reconsider their decision and, like, you know, yeah, go through exactly. it again. So it was spoken about, 
you know, in the press, it became a huge thing. It could have been handled more gently, uh, you know, by the players, you know, towards the very beginning, if they had taken a different decision or maybe just, you know, uh, taken some statements back. And what baffles me most is players like Yozua Kimish, who are supposed to be like, you know, model footballers who are also like representing their club and their country, a player who's tutored to be a future Germany captain, right? Uh, and he also has this initiative, VK Corona, along with being awarded, uh, you know, with a host of awards for his initiatives during the COVID-19 campaign. Uh, it kind of is, you know, ironic that he is, you know, against getting the vaccine at this point in time, when the point of his entire campaign is to alleviate the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and also ensure that more people get vaccinated. So it just doesn't sit right with me that this is happening. And I don't quite understand the reasoning behind it, considering Kimish and Goretzka together, you know, started this whole thing. And now it, it almost feels like Kimish was like, this applies to all of you, but it does, doesn't to me because, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's like the hypocrisy. It's kind, of, it's kind of worrying from Kimish because how does he not think that the rule should not apply to him? And even if they do, like, even if he accepts that he's following all the rules, he needs to be aware that by not taking the vaccine, he's saying a significant risk, a significant professional and personal risk that there is absolutely no reason to take. Yeah. And, and also about the legal issues that Bayern might face if the players bring in lawsuits or whatever. I just think uh, that is not Bayern's concern at the moment. Their lawyers are probably the best in the business. And besides... That shouldn't be, you know, uh, a problem considering we have a bigger problem right now. And that is the risk of some of these players transmitting the disease to other people. And imagine having a full-blown COVID-19, you know, uh, mini crisis inside the club just before an important Champions League game. Do we really want that? Technically, we are in the middle of that, just minus the important part, because we have Dinamo Kiev tomorrow at the time of recording. And what can I say? Like, we have so many players out. Sula and Stanisic, they're both vaccinated, but they are both in quarantine because of a positive test. And meanwhile, you have Kimmich, Goretz, sorry, Kimmich. I always think of Kimmich and Goretzka together. So it's weird that they're not together in this one. Kimmich, Gnabry, Muziala, Chupo, and Cuisance. Uh, Cuisance doesn't really factor into this, but all of these guys, all of them are out for tomorrow. So it's like Nagelsmann is under a lot of pressure to get a result tomorrow while also having such a thin squad at his disposal. So, you know, this is basically a test run of what could happen next year, let's say in March, April, when we have provided we make it to the Champions League quarter or semis because it's really not looking guaranteed at the moment. So if we do make it that far and these guys aren't available, I don't see us making it through. And the fact is that, you know, I think Bayern did everything they could to just softly convince Kimmich and these guys to get the vaccine. And now they just had to take steps to protect themselves because if they had not taken these steps... It was suddenly, the onus would suddenly be on Bayern. Like, it would be like Bayern are encouraging these guys to not be vaccinated by not giving them consequences for their actions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with that. And I also think that, you know, uh, with uh, Mikkel Kizons, for example, like, I honestly don't care if he doesn't get the vaccine. If that means Bayern can just throw him out of the club, maybe just offload him somehow, 
it's well and good because he's just like extra Honestly, baggage. Honestly, I think him not getting the vaccine might make us might make it harder for us to get rid of him. But in a way, him always being in quarantine means he can't injure our players in training. So maybe that that's, that's an advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like a an advantage from like a tactical standpoint as well because I don't think he like really I mean his uh you know mentality was criticized a lot and the fact that yeah, you know his mentality he, sucks. Yeah, he hasn't really impressed the coach. He hasn't impressed anybody and uh you know he just isn't an option to consider for any game. So Nagelsmann can't go into a game with him as a bench option considering he never really is going to see any game time. I don't think he is. But coming to Kimish, right? It's a different thing because uh, Yuzo Kimish, he is one of the, I think, the top four or five players in the Bayern squad in terms of quality, in terms of everything else. And we kind of need him to play, especially in the important games. So I feel him not getting vaccinated and as a result, possibly contracting COVID-19 could be really, really bad for us, especially in the later stages of the Champions League. But I also think that if he chooses to get vaccinated, the rest of the players could follow suit. Because he's kind of like, I feel he's like he's leader, a de facto yeah. leader of the unvaccinated group. And recently we had this covered in both the Schmankel and in a different post. Uh, it's that uh, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated cohorts have like a rift between them. It's like, yeah, a, it's, it's in the yeah. thing. I, I just wrote that up too. It's yeah. like there's a rift and the vaccinated guys, they just don't understand why the unvaccinated guys will put both themselves and the season in jeopardy for this you know yeah so i feel like now that now that you know kimish uh if he gets the vaccine and if he does it soon that would probably lead to the other unvaccinated players getting the shot as well they could just see him you know change his mind and go okay well he's done it let's let's also get the shot and that would be good for Bayern. but if they continue doing this and if we continue having this fiasco this drama then it just doesn't look very good yeah, I guess so. And I think I think we are pretty much in agreement on this one. So why don't we move on to our next topic, which again is another controversial topic. So Schnitzel, why don't you describe it? Okay, so next we're going to talk about the Qatar uh, sponsorship for Bayern. To be specific, uh, we have, uh, I believe it's uh, Qatar Airways yeah. and a few other sponsors from Qatar. And uh it's not exactly a sponsorship like uh, many other clubs like PSG and, you know, Man City and so on, you know, sponsorship in double quotes. But this is like uh, a sponsorship wherein a lot of the clubs, you can say funding and tele- and, and other deals, uh, they revolve around Qatar funding. And uh, a lot of the fans, you know, have raised concerns over this, especially given Qatar's human rights, you know, is just super suspect and i don't even think uh it, it's it's kind of like it's it's a very unpleasant topic and i really wanted all the countries for example to back out of the world cup because it was being held in qatar and i just don't want them to get more recognition internationally because of all these things that are happening beside behind the scenes all these atrocities these human rights crimes these violations and uh honestly speaking from a bayern fans perspective i feel that bayern should do all it uh, you know all the club can to maybe uh try and procure better sponsorships better investors and just move away from qatar it's just a bad look for the club yeah the other thing is that uh the fan who introduced a motion for the this week's AGM, I think it's on Thursday, he introduced a motion that would allow 
buying fans to vote on letting the Qatar sponsorship deal expire. And Bayern are accused of delaying the accepting the motion until the deadline is over. So that's kind of a little bit of a scummy thing to do. And it flies yeah. in the face of the 50 plus one rule. And you have to wonder, like, is it worth it for Bayern? That, that Qatar sleeve sponsorship you talk about, that it is worth about 10 million a season, which is a decent amount for something that's just a sleep sponsorship. But um, is 10 million a season really all that much? Like, is it worth losing the trust of your fans and being such a controversial topic in Germany, especially with the rising awareness of the human rights abuses perpetrated in Qatar, especially with the World Cup coming up. So I, I've i always thought about this, and I've just come to the realization that Bayern's ties with Qatar go a lot deeper than, you know, this one sponsorship. Like, you hear about Karl-Heinz Rummenigger. He seems to have, uh, he was our CEO for a very long time, and he seems to have very good links with Nasser Al-Khalifi, who is the chairman of PSG. And it looks like Herbert, Herbert Heiner, who is you know, the current boss of Bayern, you know, the current president, uh, he he was CEO of Adidas. And Adidas obviously have their own vested interest in the World Cup being one of his chief sponsors. So if you think about it this way, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that would probably make Bayern very reluctant to get rid of this Qatar sponsorship. So in that case, I can understand how the club finds itself in a difficult spot. But on the other hand, I don't see why they couldn't replace the money and then just cut ties altogether. Maybe there's some politics going on behind the scenes, but even so, it doesn't seem like a re- relationship that can't be recovered in some other way. Yeah, and the whole situation seems kind of suspect to me because none of the Bayern you know, board members have actually come out and addressed this issue properly. They've always been like fluffing with you know the words their choice of, you know, sentences and phrases. And uh, I don't think Herbert Hainer has been very straightforward with this. And I don't expect Oliver Kahn to also, you know, beat around the bush they, with this They haven't thing. said anything yeah. about Qatar directly in their entire, you know, the, in their entire tenure so far. And early in Rubenegger, they did say, they did comment on the sponsorship, but they did say that, you know, the human rights situation is getting better. And that's it. That's all they said. And to be fair to them, they kind of are correct because I believe Russ RLD, he showed me a report by Amnesty International that admits that some of the human rights um, measures taken by Qatar have improved the situation a little bit. But even so, like, it's not a question of whether Bayern is helping make the human rights situation better. It's a question of whether Bayern should be associated with it at all. And I do think it goes against our, you know, stated mission of being inclusive and for everyone. And it's just a little bit weird that we continue with it. Yeah, I think that the trust of the fans at this point is the most important thing Bayern has. And considering this is still a fan-run club and that, you know, the club runs entirely because of fan decisions and, you know, there's a lot of importance on you know, the fan base, uh, so to say, and also the ultras. And we have this rich culture which encourages all these fans to put for, for their opinions, which is how this motion came into play in the first place. So I don't think Bayern should sacrifice all this just for one sponsorship. And even if the yeah. ties run deeper than this, even the, even if the ties run deeper than this, it's, it's completely possible that 
we there are some things in some clauses, maybe some uh, things, some business deals that we ha we have no clue about. Uh, but even so, uh, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. And Bayern is a huge club. They can get sponsors anytime from everywhere. And there are so many markets that they still haven't tapped into, like one of them being India, for instance. Yeah, exactly. I do hope that, although to be fair, I don't think any Indian club or Indian company is giving them, you know, 10 million euros a year. Like, I don't think Reliance is going to sponsor Bayern anytime soon. So we you can, can always try. You can always try. <laughs> you never do you, know. Do you, actually, do you want to? Do you want to see Baidu's ads on Bayern Munich show? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've just, I've just no, given no. you a very cursed, a very cursed wow. idea. No, no, thank you. Yeah, Baidu's presents Bayern Munich. Oh god, oh, man, no, oh, that no. would be that would be I that would I, actually be almost I as bad as like, Qatar, uh, honestly. And then like having Shah Rukh Khan in one of Bayern's ads. Oh gosh, that would that no, would thanks. that might that might <laughs> help. That might help raise our profile, but not Baiju's. Baiju's might actually uh, make us even more hated. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay, <laughs> look. So basically, we are in agreement that the Qatar sponsorship doesn't look good for us, and it's kind of it's really problematic for the club that this is all coming to a head at the same time as all the negative press from the anti-vax movement at the club. We seem to be the only Bundesliga club with so many unvaccinated players. And we seem to be the only top club with so many unvaccinated players. And this, combined with our very that our strange links to Qatar, is just a perfect storm of media criticism for Bayern, which is overshadowing what I think is a pretty good season. Yeah, completely agree. So I, I really think that uh, this is like a very turbulent time and that we should just get over with this. I really hope the vaccinated uh, the unvaccinated players get some sense into their heads and try and mend their ways and change their decision. If they don't, it's just going to be a very sticky situation. Considering yeah, look, they stand to lose yeah. millions and millions of euros for the decision. Yes. And if they and if they decide that that's worth it, then I, I just don't know. I don't know what to say. That's just a whole new level of stupid. Yeah, because you could have like the player's ego, egos come in their way. And, you know, maybe the fact that they've come out against the vaccine so publicly, right? They're reluctant. To Technically, the they shot. haven't. I mean, like Gnabry, Muziala, Chuba, they haven't said anything. And Kimmich yeah, says yeah. that he is, he's not against the vaccine or against science. So he's not exactly a standard anti-vaxxer. So, I mean, it's completely possible that they could take the vaccine. I don't know why they haven't taken it yet. Maybe they just need that extra push but you know and as for the guitar vote that we were talking about that i i hope that we let the partnership lapse and we get a more ethical sponsorship i mean to be fair i don't know how you can define ethical when so many countries so many countries and so many companies around the world have issues with human rights but you know it's maybe something that we should be looking into but yes let's yeah, talk and, a little bit about think... football you know yeah, I think uh, with regards to the whole human rights thing, I think it's about uh, also, I mean, at this point, I don't think any big corporation is completely ethical. Like, it's very difficult to pick one corporation that doesn't defy any rules of ethics. But if that's the case, then I just, we need to just choose a lesser evil in that sense. Yeah, perhaps. Okay, so speaking of lesser evils, we have the Champions League coming up tomorrow. And since... All of us were busy this weekend. We couldn't actually record a separate preview podcast for the Champions League this week. So today, this is our preview podcast. So Schnitzel, what do you think about Bayern Munich's upcoming game against Dino Kiev? 
the Champions League is back. And yes, it's finally, you know, we have an easier league, <laughs> the UCL. So, um, I mean, the Bundesliga just lose to teams like Augsburg and Eintracht. So it's a relief that now... We yeah, it's much easier to play against Barcelona, yeah. you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it doesn't get very difficult for Bayern till maybe the quarterfinals. So it should hopefully, you know, go this way unless we face a really huge club in you know, early in the knockout stages. But against Dinamo Kiev, I think, uh, honestly, it should be a straightforward victory. This is a dead rubber game for us anyways, because we have already won the group. So I'm expecting a lot of rotation in this game and a lot of, you know, the French players. The best well, technically, players I don't think Nagelsmann has a choice because in the back line, he has only Pavard as his right back. I mean, he has Saar, but I don't think Saar is going to play. He has only Pavard as his right back option. Tongi, Nyonzu and Lucas Hernandez are his only center backs. And maybe Omar Richards will get another start ahead of Alfonso Davies just to keep Davies a little more fresh. And other than that, like the rest of the lineup, it just chooses itself because the players who could have played, like, you know, Muziala or Chupo, those guys, they're all in quarantine, so... Yeah, but, like, I want to see, you know, Mark Roca play, for instance. <laughs> no, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not <laughs> going to happen. Also, we have never used him even once this entire season, and it just really feels like he who, will leave. Who at is Mark Roca? People are legitimately <laughs> going to forget about it. Like, yeah, it's he, he's like the Armenia Bielefeld of players. <laughs> the what? The okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I almost wished you there. Yeah, so okay, look, moving on. Uh, yeah, we can't talk about Mark. Didn't the thing you, is that, did you say, yeah, 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 Mark Roca, let's just move ahead. I don't think he's yeah. getting a start, it's just sad. He's you not know, gonna get, sad. he might not even yeah. make the bench. True. Yeah, it's just how unfortunate the situation is. We might have to like pick some youngsters from our reserve squad and give yeah, them. Yeah, Ma- Malik Tillman has been called up, and you know I think that's, that's nice. an outside chance he could start because the Kiev game is a dead rubber, and also because Coman has some muscular issues that he might need to get over. We have Dortmund coming up very soon, so Nagelsmann needs yeah, to think about to- keeping his players healthy. We need to rest most of our players, especially the wingers who are always injury prone. We can't actually uh, rest the wingers. Why? Because oh, wait, yeah. Oh, think about yeah. it. Gnabry, Half our wingers yes, are yeah. Gnabry and Muziala are both out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's bad. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, Tobin Ryan and like Taylor Booth and all those players. Tobin Ryan. Think... Tobin Ryan apparently. Um. So the thing about Tobin Ryan is we got a report. Of, a week or so back that apparently Tobin Ryan's development has completely stalled and he's he's not seen as a prospect for the first team anymore. But Taylor Booth might be. Okay, so where have I heard this before? I mean, so many prospects from Bayern yeah, to... They look yeah, because he looked, he looked really then, good. Like, yes. apparently he has his... Distribution is so good, but everything else apparently is not good enough, so... Yeah, and he's very Nagelsmann, small. Nagelsmann very apparently tiny. has said that Tobin Ryan has no prospects in the first team which is unfortunate for him but then again yeah. i'm sure he can find himself a decent team in the two bundesliga or in the first first year if he is that good so that's not a big problem yeah. for us but i think in terms of wingers i did we did see malik Solman start one game for us it wasn't the pokal i think wasn't it against who was it that we yeah, had so. bremer bremer as well bremer as well yes yeah and he was good so, there so he, he could, could he, he could get a start, yes, or he could be a bench option. I would like yeah. him 
to get a start because there is literally no point in starting, you know, Lirozani uh, and Kingsley from one in this game. And uh, well, Dinamo there is the option of like you know getting a good score early and then just summing off all all the important players and just putting on guys like like for example Benjamin Pavard right now he's very important because we have no other right backs so I mean Tsar is Tsar we don't yeah yeah correct me if I'm wrong but like I think it was one of your podcasts or one of your posts you said that uh, it's coming to a point where we could even start Bruno Zar over Benjamin Pavard yeah Benjamin Pavard is is giving me a headache every time he starts but I guess that's that's a conversation for another day but the other guy we should talk about is Zabitzer. Zabitzer probably won't start tomorrow simply because, you know, he apparently has some problems with his Achilles and with his calf. Lord knows how he keeps getting all these injuries. I, I'm starting to think that maybe Nagelsmann is making some of them up just to hide the fact that he's being benched. And the fact yeah, is but- that Zabitzer, you know, he, he started in the Kimmich position against Augsburg and he made an error, a very bad error leading to a goal. So... It's not going yes, well for uh, What I don't understand is uh, Zab- Zabitzer was an absolute baller at RB Leipzig. And even for Austria on international break, he was their best midfielder hands down in both games. So then he comes to Bayern and in his first game back, he's just not good at all. So I just don't get what's wrong exactly. Like what's going wrong with, you know? You know, I just think time. that I just think that midfield is really hard to play at Bayern and every midfielder we've had in the last few years, they've struggled for at least like half a season or a full season to get into the thick of things. Like think about someone like Thiago. It took him years and years. He came here in 2013 and he wasn't a proper, like he didn't start showing his talent until 2016. Um, Someone like Arturo Vidal, he came in in 2015, but he spent like half a season underperforming until, and I have to remind everyone that Vidal, when he came to Bayern, he was probably the best midfielder in the world. He just made a Champions League final with Juventus and he won the Copa America that season. So he was amazing that year. And then there's Goretzka. Goretzka first, I remember when he first came in, he was not good at all. Like everyone was criticizing him for being a headless chicken, not not being able to, you know, just pick up things tactically. And then you have Kimmich himself. Kimmich, when he first made the move back, from right back to defensive midfield, we called him a traffic cop. So, yeah, I think just midfield is like, there's a learning curve at Bayern Munich that you don't have at other clubs or at other teams. And Zabitzer is kind of, you know, at the bottom of that curve at the moment. He needs to climb up. But I don't uh, understand exactly what he is trying to adjust to from a tactical point of view. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of hard to figure out. In fact, that's kind of hard to figure out from a, full buy-in perspective for example why do we keep conceding all these goals like i don't get it yeah i mean we are pressing really well we're doing a lot of things correctly and i think uh, nagelsmann's defense is definitely better than flicks in a way although you can argue that i'm not Flick's sure press, i agree honestly high intensity press yeah like you mentioned this once uh, or twice you know the previous season during hansi flicks tenure the flicks uh press at full efficiency it kind of suffocates the opponent, so the defense is helped by the midfield and the attack, so we concede less when the team is in full throttle. But the issue yeah. with Flick's game plan was that the players get gassed out in like the first 45 minutes, so the rest of the well, game... I don't exactly agree with that. In my opinion, it only happened last season because of the insane fixture congestion, which Nagelsmann def- definitely doesn't have to deal with this season. This season, 
the fixture congestion has been pretty normal. So I think if Flick were still in charge and with Hernandez and Sula and Ubermatano in this lineup, like he would be doing just fine. He would be doing as well because we have to remember Flick didn't coach just one season of Bayern, he coached two. And in his uh, first season where he took over Kovac, our defense was pretty good. That is true, but I also think there are quite a few things that Nagelsmann has significantly improved. Uh, Flick had an entire season with Leroy Zane, but he never figured the left-wing swap, and Nagelsmann did it in like two games under Bayern, and Flick adopted the same thing for Germany. And also, yeah. I think Davies is much much more free yeah, than Nagelsmann. Yeah, that's, that's true. more freedom, yeah. And yeah, Davies has been much better than Nagelsmann. Like, I think Davies yeah. can be like a 20-goal and assist a goal contribution winger um and i uh, actually i said winger but i meant fullback because i think he can do that like he can be an attacking fullback just like trent alexander arnold or someone like that so i think the novelman has done really well with those two players everyone else on the pitch i can't see the improvements from the flick era like i don't think Lewandowski or muller for example are playing as well as they did last season I think I think that's debatable considering we haven't really seen Nagelsmann play uh, the, the players uh, you know a lot in the Champions League for instance we haven't really progressed uh, till the group uh, till the quarterfinals or the semifinals yet we need to see how they perform during the important fixtures and we also need to see Bayern maybe for like 20 25 games in 11 12 games I, I think it's hard to assess Nagelsmann's performance completely since I feel Lewandowski has picked up right very left and he's been doing amazingly well like the man's just been the best I think Lewandowski and, individually has been fine but the tactics don't use him as much as they used to like he's not as much of the focal point as he used to be yeah, I think with regards to the tactics, yeah, what you're what you're mentioning is something to note. Uh, with Nagelsmann's tactics, like the the structure of the team is more narrow, and a lot of people have said this: the midfield and the attack they play through the center, which is why players like Muziala they thrived uh, during the beginning of the season because they could play in those tight spaces, they could exploit you know those uh, half spaces and get those goals and assists. And Muziala was practically scoring a goal or assisting every single game, something we hadn't really seen uh, of, of the player under the Flick era. So under Nagelsmann, he was also looking like he was an you know unleashed beast. And uh, Nagelsmann just needs to start him more often in games. Like, I expect him to start as well, soon as well, he's hard, from the well, it's hard to do that right now because he's going to yeah, be in yeah. quarantine. <laughs> he's been in quarantine for two weeks already. He's going to be in, in it for another week. And for someone who's 18, three weeks of quarantine, no training with the team. That's that's a long time. And besides, I think that uh, I really, I sincerely hope that there is no COVID problem. Like as such, I hope they all get tested negative because uh, COVID uh, for, for honestly, like there's no, there's yeah. no, there's no hope for him to really get any decent ministry season unless he gets the jab. Honestly, yeah, it all comes back to the vaccinated unvaccinated scenario. So. Yeah. It's it's like the entire the tactics the future of the team everything kind of hinges on this situation. Yeah. It's really yeah. funny how Bayern find new ways to you know cause issues, cause more drama every single season. It's something or the other, and it just drives me nuts. Honestly, last season it was the whole Flick versus Brazo thing that lasted for ages and led to Flick leaving with everyone having a bitter taste in their mouths. And this season is the whole vaccinated unvaccinated fiasco. So. I don't even know what's going on, man. Okay, then. 
I guess that's enough for our preview because there's not really much to talk about in terms of a dead rubber game against Dinamo. So let's just wrap yeah. it up. So uh, Schnitzel, way, do you uh, have a prediction? Yeah, just so that, I mean, this whole thing sounded so pessimistic from my point of view. Like, you know, it just ended on negative notes. So I want to just uh, cheer, I guess, the listeners up a bit by saying that I expect this to be a straightforward affair. We should beat Dinamo Kiev 4-0. You should not consider single goal. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's yeah. no that's very that's it. very optimistic. I won't I won't make a prediction after how my last prediction on this podcast went. So let's just wrap it up there. So Schnitzel, um, why don't you do the outro? Yeah. So thank you so much, guys, for listening, and f- make sure to you know subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast wherever you get your quality podcasting content, uh, be it, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other place you get, you know, to listen to us. And please tune in to our future podcasts, listen to the previous ones you may have missed, and do visit Bavarian Football Works because we cover all Bayern and Bundesliga action in there. And feel free to let us know, you know, your thoughts and give us your feedback in the comments. So that is it from me and I Need No Name. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen. Good night.